Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Lucy, new member of the family, amen, here as well. And so we're grateful tonight, amen, for them. Genesis 41 and verse number 50, starting, the Bible states these words, and unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asnath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bare unto him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said, He hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. The name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Amen. Uh, this evening, I, I want to minister this. Amen. If I can just help one person tonight. That'd be tremendous. I just want to preach about how we need a Manasseh. We need a Manasseh. We need a Manasseh. Hallelujah. Join your voices with mine one more time as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you're able to help us this evening. God, we need you, Lord, in this service just as much as we need you in any service. God, when we come and congregate together, Lord, in the house of the Lord. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, tonight, God, that you're able to help each and every mind, God, that may be scattered. Lord, that you're able to bring it, Lord, and hone its focus in, Lord Jesus, in for the next little while. Pray, God, every tired body, Lord, that you're able to give strength to, God, that they can be attentive to the word of the Lord in the next little bit. And God, at most, Lord, I pray, God, that someone could be helped, Lord, by a word or something, Lord Jesus, that is said, God, in this place. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray and the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus name and we'll look to the word of the Lord. We need a Manasseh. Amen. Because in life it's absolutely known that we will suffer wrongdoing. Look at your neighbor and tell him that you're going to suffer wrongdoing. In this life we will suffer wrongdoing. That's just a fact of life. And it seems as though that we would expect these wrongdoings to come from people that we would consider to be our enemies. We would expect wrongdoings from them. There are people that we just expect that are going to take advantage of us, talk about us, criticize us, try and tear us down and just generally fight us in everything that we say and everything that, that we do. Normally, we would classify these type of people as enemies. We'd classify them as someone that is against us. But when we suffer an attack from an enemy, we, we just fight the fight. We just pick up the pieces, bind our wounds, so to speak, and move on with life. Because we understand that in life, we all have enemies. And if you don't, please come and shake my hand tonight and don't rub it in too bad. Amen, that you don't have any. But uh, most of us, I think, probably have some. But one of the hardest things to overcome is when we are done wrong by those we consider friends or by those that we may even consider family. One of the hardest things to understand is when we are done wrong in what we might call our father's house. 
I mean, we expect to be shot at by our enemies, but we do not expect to be somehow shot at by our friends and by our relatives. And we protect ourselves then from our enemies, but we leave ourselves vulnerable to our friends. We leave ourselves vulnerable to our families. We don't feel the need to build bunkers, so to speak, to protect ourselves from our friends. We don't feel as though we need to put our armor on, and many times we'll take it off when we're around our, our, our relatives and our friends because they're the ones that are supposed to love us, the ones that are supposed to cherish us, and we expect that perhaps we can find some little relief and rest among our friends, those that are in our Father's house. It's a place of safety. It's a place of protection. It's a place of rest. But, folks, the sad fact of the matter is this, is that sometimes you will be wounded in the house of your friends. David came to understand this unsettling reality in Psalms 55. He said in verse 12, For it was not an enemy that reproached me. He said, Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company in Psalms 133, David made some other words concerning his brothers. He said, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There's nothing better when families and when friends and when churches are in sync and when we're working together toward the same goal. There's nothing like it. It cannot be compared to anything else. Whenever the, the talk is friendly and the talk is encouraging, you can come to the house of the Lord and we're uplifting each other's hands and we're uplifting each other's needs. But whenever conflict arises, now that's a whole different story. Uh, whenever a conflict arises and now the very ones that you were respectful toward and that you were open with and you had a genuine desire to love and appreciate when it's your brother or your sister and you know at times they love you back whenever everything is peaceful in the way that it's supposed to be it's great but whenever all that falls apart when all of that comes crashing down we begin to start terming life as maybe rotten as unfair not appropriate Amen, because it seems like whenever one person is working for a go and another is working in a, different, in a different direction and there's not that unity like there once was, then there's something that's very tense. Everybody starts to be cautious around one another, suspicious toward one another. and You don't know where you stand with the other individual and conflicts arise and people's not handling each other with respect anymore. And There's accusations over here and assumptions over here and there's judgment before all the facts are laid out before the line and there's gossip over, over here and I didn't know quite how they were looking if they were looking at me or what they were talking about and conflicts handled with fear and with a little bit distrust and things are shoved under the rug and brothers and sisters are living in fear and even sometimes anger of one another and it's not a very peaceful thing and of all oh, life hurts because the very thing that should have been your friends and your family even the house of God becomes a place of wounding I don't know if I've ever talked to anybody that experienced this here tonight but the prophetic statement that Jesus said is found in Zechariah 13 and 6 he said that that one shall say unto him what are these wounds in thine hands amen speaking prophetically of Jesus Christ and he would say he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends so you don't walk alone tonight if you ever have been hurt in church 
you've ever sustained church hurt, if you've ever been hurt by a friend or ever been hurt maybe by a member of your family, whether it be husband or wife or child, it goes greater than that. It goes to brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws. And I don't know if I'm hitting the nail on the head or if I'm missing it tonight. We'll just understand it, I guess, better uh, by and by. But we'll, knowing this, that if you walk this road, you walk not this long road alone because Christ himself said that he was wounded in the house of his friends. Because it's hard to think that the very ones that would protect us are the ones that are attacking us. Amen. It's hard to accept the fact that those that would usually accept us are the very ones that's given ridicule toward us. The ones that we should be able to feel safe around. Now it's just a battleground that we entered in on. And, and we come to the sanctuary and we think this is a no hunting zone. Only to find out that the crosshairs are placed upon us. And so we're all going to suffer some wounds in this life. And sometimes, and sad to say many times, it's right within the house of the Father. Someone say amen. Much of the criticism that we face in our lives will come from the Father's house. I, I, I'll take my time. Much of the criticism that we face in our lives, I said, will come from the Father's house. I know it doesn't equal right in your mind, but it's the fact of life. Most of it you'll sustain right in the house of your father. The Bible says that whenever Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint a king to replace King Saul, that it was David's own father who even said basically this, surely you don't want David. He's just a kid. He's out tending the sheep there on the backside of the pasture. And whenever he showed up to the battlefield where his brothers were already at, bringing them some food and some provision and checking on them as Goliath was challenging the armies of Israel, the Bible says that it was David's own eldest brother Eliab that came out to him and spoke to him and was angry against David and said, why in the world have you come out here? What are you doing here? Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? He says, I know your pride. I know the naughtiness of your heart. You come out here just to see how the battle is going on. So here is David, a man that before he could be anointed king, before he could be the one that was serving for God and God's sovereign plan and sovereign purpose, he had to come even overcome the opinion of his father and the opinion of his brother before he ever reached that road. Because his father said he's just a kid. Surely you don't want him. And his eldest brother is saying, where did you use those few? You're pride. You're haughty. You're just out here just to see what's going on. Even for that matter, before he could ever conquer the giant Goliath, he had to get past his own brethren. What I am trying to relate to us tonight is this. That some of the appointments that God has for us and some of the battles that we might be fighting will never be won until we get over some past woundings. Someone say amen. Because the question I ask you tonight, what is some of the things that you could do if you could get past some of the hurts that you sustained in church? What could you do for the kingdom? How much harder you could you fight if you didn't have suspicion about your brother or about your sister? 
Because it seems like whenever God anoints us, the first battle begins in the house of our Father. The first battle that Jesus engaged in as a young boy at 12 years old. He's sitting in the temple there. He's not with the devil. There's not an evil spirit around. But he's just in a battle, so to speak, in the temple with what? A bunch of religious leaders. He's asking them questions. They are asking him questions. And before he settled the issue there in the house of his father, remember he said, I must be about my father's business. And he was in the temple. Before one blind eye was opened, before one deaf ear was unstopped, before one soul was saved in his ministry, amen, he had to get beyond taking care of business in the house of his father. Someone say amen. In John 1.11 he said, I came into my own, my own received me not. I came to my own and they didn't receive me. I've got, he's saying, man, I got more arguments with Pharisees than I did devils. Amen. And the worst part of it all is this, is that at least the devils listen to him. Someone say glory. And so much of our fighting takes place in the house of our father. Joseph understood what this was all about. Anointed from his birth. Amen. His name means Jehovah has added. At his very birth, he has been given something from his father, favor as it would be upon his life. Joseph was the son of travail. He was the result of prayer that had been made by his mother to open her womb. Give me children was her cry, else I die. And so Joseph was a child of promise. He was a child of purpose. He was the child of the open womb, amen, that God had given to his mother and it made his life quite difficult having that promise, having and that destiny that was upon him, having that favor that was upon him. And note this, although he had the favor of his father, it did not exempt him from the harsh realities of having to deal with the fact that not everybody was excited that he was favored. Not everybody was excited that he was anointed. Not everybody was thrilled that he had a gift. So to speak. The Bible says in Genesis 37 and verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren. They hated him. And could not speak peaceably unto him. Because of the favor that had been placed on him. Can someone say amen? And so in the house of his father. In the presence of his brethren. Where he should have been accepted. They could not speak peaceably to him. They hated him, the Bible says, and even hated him the more when he began to share his dreams and his aspirations for the future. The very people he thought he could speak to were just taking what he was saying and pushing it back in his face, and he couldn't seem to trust them anymore right in the house of his father. Amen. And no doubt he might have been pretty proud about the dreams. He told it twice through two different venues. Amen. And you got to give him just a little immaturity. He's a little young here. He's just excited about what God's going to do. But all they're doing, instead of loving guidance, instead of understanding, instead of helping him along the way to see what God is going to do in his life, hatred. They reciprocate. Amen. For what he is offering them. Someone say, Amen. And so one day Jacob sends him to the fields, the Bible says, to check on his brethren. Whenever his brethren seen him afar off, they conspired against him, decided to slay him until one said, here comes the dreamer. 
And as he said that, they came therefore, they were going to slay him, but they decided, no, we'll just cast him into some pit. Say some evil beast has taken him and devoured him and see what shall become of his dreams. Let's just kill the dreamer. The foolish dreams will die with him. And he's thinking to himself, who does, I mean, they're saying no doubt among, who does he think is going to bow before him one day that we're going to bow before him and we're planning for him, not suspecting anything. We're planning for him, his pitfall in a literal sense. We're planning for him, his demise. Amen. And whenever he gets among his brethren, I'm sure he's taking by surprise that his own flesh and blood brothers would instead of giving him love and acceptance and guidance would strip him of his favor his garment of many covers and put him in a pit saying there you go Jacob that's exactly what you should be getting at this moment in time someone say amen and their logic is you know we'll just sell him let's not kill him Let's, let's just sell him. God has this per se anointing upon his life and he's favored of dad. Let's just bind him and, and sell him unto someone else. And let's just put accusation upon him and let's, let's just, just put him off as the refuse of the world. And, and you know what? The thing is, here's the thing that I've heard sometimes in my apostolic walk. And I don't know if there's any credence or truth to it, but I think perhaps there is. And that is people say, I was treated better in the world than I was in the church. And as much as I want to stand up and say, no, 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 that's wrong. When it comes to God, it is. You're going to be treated really, really good by the Lord. You're going to have trial and tribulation. But whenever you talk about brothers and sisters, People have said, I've treated, been treated better in the world than I was in the church. But that isn't necessarily always the case. Sometimes they were telling the truth. Sometimes there are hurts that are sustained in the house of God. That go so much deeper than what you have sustained outside of the church. Mm -hmm. But before we can move on, Joseph, into what God wants for us, we got to learn to forget the hurts that we sustained in our father's house. I mean, he'd been through a lot, pit, prison. Right? All these different things. And now with all of this pain, he's got to come up with this new skill of how to not recall what has happened to the better portion of his life. I'm talking about forgetting, but I'm talking also about choosing not to recall. Choosing not to recall. His brothers finally come needing some food for their family. They're there. They're helpless. They're hungry. Amen. And they're asking Joseph, although they don't know him to be this at the time, they're asking Joseph to use the very gift that they had ridiculed. The very gift that they had scoffed at. They're asking him to use that right now for their benefit. When this thing first arose, 
no, no, sir, let's just put him in the pit, let's ostracize him, let's do all this. But now that they are in a position that they could benefit from what he has, they're willing now to ask him to use his gift to sustain them. And Joseph has the power to destroy. Joseph has the power to take their life. Joseph has the power to execute revenge upon those that hurt him. Yet he refrains from doing so. Someone say amen. See, whenever it was in Cain's ability to kill Abel, he did it. Uh-huh. He did it. But here's Joseph refraining from doing so. Because if I kill our brothers, if I kill our brothers, even if I want to call it justifiable homicide, if I kill my brothers, if we do that in this setting, We'll never find the happiness. And we'll never find the peace. We'll never find what we really have in store for us in the future if we don't make amends with past hurts and past pains. Joseph sat there and he watched those brothers bow down before him. He's thinking, that's the fulfillment of the dream I had many years ago, 13 years earlier. Oh, I've sustained a lot of hurt from these boys. They were cruel to me. They ostracized me. Amen. They had looks of scorn and hard words that were against me. Sneers, laughter, all of this against me. They sowed me. They weren't looking out for my welfare. They weren't there to pick me up. They were there to push me down. And he's looking into the eyes of all of these with the position and the power and the authority to do something about it. He had soldiers at his beck and call that would swoop in in a moment and take care of business upon these pathetic disloyal brothers that he had. But the Bible says instead of destroying them he refrained. And Joseph has a choice upon his hands. With this hesitation he has a choice upon his hands. The Bible said in our scripture setting that Joseph forgot the toils of his father's house. He chose not to recall the hurts of his father's house. He chose not to recall the pain or the anguish or the betrayal or, or the menacing words or the ridicule. He just, what did he do? He, the Bible says he put his arms around them. He fell upon each of them. And he, their fates were in his hands, but he fell upon each of them and he kissed them. Instead of cursing them, he brought blessing to their individual families and their life. Instead of, instead of injustice, amen, he brought mercy unto them. Instead of having a brow of vengeance against them, he came and he forgave them. Because he's mightily blessed and he understands if I'm going to be able to go forward, I'm going to have to somehow take care of the issues. Of the wounds that I've got from my family. And from those I call my friends. The Bible says. That Joseph had two sons. The Bible says there were one that was born into him by the name of Manasseh. Which came first. Which simply means this. Manasseh's name means to forget. Because Joseph said for God said he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And there was a second son that was born to Joseph by the name of Ephraim, which means doubly fruitful. Before fruitfulness, double fruitfulness, came unto Joseph's life, Manasseh came first. 
He's living in Egypt. He's now a very prosperous man there where he once was not. His brothers have arrived and he's had two sons, one that means to forget and then one that means doubly fruitful. But Joseph, before you can have the double fruitfulness, you got to learn to forget the injuries and the toils and the injustice of your father's house. I wonder tonight how many of us been squandered from us the double fruitfulness because we've not yet borne a spirit of forgetfulness. Someone say amen. It happens in the church. It happens in the church. People get negative attitudes toward one another. Happens in the church. People begin to talk about one another. People can't stand one another. People start talking behind each other's backs. And then as a result of that, you can't stand and worship by one another. And then when we come into a setting like this, the spirits that's attached to all that junk come into the house of God too. And so then when we go to the prayer room, it's like we're binding and putting our head up against a concrete wall and against a brick wall. And what I don't know is sometimes it's taking place is that there's wounds that's happening in the house of God. There's talking a bunch of junk going on that I'm not privy to. And I'm wondering, God, what's wrong? I'm trying to put together something to preach, trying to get the mind of God. And what's going on is there are a lot of wounds and a lot of past that people are licking and scarring and pulling the scab off of. And there's woundings that have been happening in the house of God. And I'm asking myself, why can't we be fruitful? Why why can't that happen? Why can't this happen? And it's really because somebody hasn't had a Manasseh yet. They've not yet forgotten or chose not to recall the wounding of friends, family, and brothers and sisters in the house of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I am convinced tonight that some of the things that happen on the surface that we look at and we cock our heads sometimes and think, I wonder what's going on, is that there's something happening in homes and families and behind the scenes that I'm not a part of, but God has seen and God has known and God knows the hurt and God knows the pain that you sustain. But if we're ever going to go on, if we're ever going to go forward, you're going to have to choose to forget the toils and the pain of your father's house. Someone say amen. amen. Ephraim, you can't be born before Manasseh. Manasseh has to be born first. Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I don't know. I don't need to know what they did to you. But you do need a Manasseh in your life. Well, Pastor, I've come to church and looked at the same people who tried to, to tried to speak words against me and done this. And you know what? I don't doubt that one bit. I'm sure sometime you walk by and you've overheard somebody talking about you. It's probably happened right here at the First Apostolic Church. But let me tell you, regardless of all that, what you need is a Manasseh in your life. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. People sometimes ridiculed me or called me names or I know this or that. And you know what? That's probably exactly right. That has happened. It probably took place. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud that that would happen at the church. But you know what? It's probably happened. But the real meat of the story is this. What we need, each and every one of us need, is a generous application of a Manasseh in our life. We need to choose not. Because I'll stand here and tell you too. People's talked about me. I've not had the kindest of words spoke to me. It's happened on Facebook before and I've deleted responses and all that junk. But you know what? In order to be prosperous, in order to go on, in order to attain every God wants us to attain, we got to give birth to a blessing in our life.
I would rather nurture the promise God has for me than nurture the pain and the agony and the toil of some past hurt. Someone say amen. Because the root of the matter is this. You go suffer without a Manasseh. Truth of the matter is you'll never see an Ephraim if you don't see a Manasseh. You know what past hurt does greater than anything? It'll drain your strength for living today. Happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but it's, it has stolen and have raped you of the strength to live in your present day because of an old wound. That's the reason why I need something more in my spirit that says, yeah, I was hurt, but I'm not going to let the hurt dictate my present. I was taken advantage of. I was spoken about. I was mistreated. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. But there's a whole different story trying to relive that, relive that out in your life every day. It happened. Everybody say, it happened. That's the past. It happened. And I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. It's probably going to happen again. Somebody else going to get mad at you. Somebody else going to talk about you. Somebody else is going to sit on the opposite side of the church because you showed up. It's going to happen again. But we're going to have to learn to have a spirit of Manasseh that says when it happens in my future, I'm going to allow that to become still yet a part of my past. I'll acknowledge that it happened, but I'm going on because there's greater things. God's favor is put upon my life. God's blessing is put upon my life. I feel the anointing of the Lord upon my life. In order for all this to come through to fruition, I must be able to not recover in a negative way so it held me captive in my presence Thank you, Jesus. Come on, now let me just okay, let me say this the answer to the dilemma is not change locations because you can change locations but as long as you got your memory, take me from Illinois and put me in Kansas. As long as I got my memory, whenever I packed up my bags and I moved and I went to the first apostolic church of Kansas, guess what? There's a bag right here that still had all the contents that it had 10 years ago. So I'm at a new place, and I got a new pastor, and we got a, a new music, uh, you know, barrage of people, and we we got we got a new sanctuary to us, and new brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh God, love them. they're the sweetest people you have ever met in your life. They are so sweet. They're so kind to me. They're better than so and so, such and such. Give it some time, honey. You'll find the same thing that happens here happens everywhere. You'll be hurt somewhere along the way. Brother McGee, what's the cure to this? We've got to somehow get beyond. Listen, I, I am all for putting a vote towards lessening that from happening. Let's lessen the occurrence of that happening. And I think we should preach and teach in such a way that that should take place. But the fact of the matter is we'll never get rid of it totally as long as we are dealing with people. And as far as I know, I'm still preaching to people, not angels. Still preaching to people. 
So as long as there's people, there's always going to be an occurrence of that. Well, what can we do to get past this? Birth of Manasseh. That's the only answer I got for you. There is no other cure for that ill than birthing of Manasseh. Learning how to put it in your past and leave it in your past. Because when you don't, you're wanting to come to the house of worship to magnify this great, glorious God that you think so much of. And this is the reason why people change locations. Because every time then you walk into church, you look and see familiar places and settings where someone committed a wrong against you. Or at least a perceived offense against you. And then... What gets up in our crawl is this. We're angry because they're worshiping. We come into church with a 10-year-old wound that we've picked over. And they're there worshiping. And we're thinking, who in the what do they think they are? They have a right to worship. Don't you see this wound? That I have received from them. And they're smiling over there. And they're happy. And they're moving on. They never apologized to me. They never said that they did wrong to me. But ask me this question. Or answer me rather this question in this scenario. Who of the two are the one that's really bound in the situation? Mm-hmm. The one that's still nursing an old issue. They might have committed it against you. They never apologized. But they're going on with life. And you are still bound by a life of 10 years ago. And so the, my mind just wondering some. God help me. And so then my mind wonders some. You know, at times we have people come up for, in the altar for prayer, brothers and sisters. And I remember a time people would gather around them and pray and help encourage and so on and so forth. And that doesn't seem to be so much so the case anymore. But I wonder if there's just too many past wounds among people in the church. Now, I wouldn't tell Brother Jerry about it. But I'll tell myself about it. Or I tell my spouse about it. And so we don't just keep it alive in our life. We keep it alive in the life of our family. We got some good Hatfield and McCoy episodes in the church like they did in America. That they're going to make sure little Johnny and little Susie knows how bad so-and-so wronged them 10 years ago. Because if there's any information you want to pass on to your loved ones, it's how people wronged you. You know, all you did, you gave life to something that maybe was on its deathbed, but you gave, you just put a fresh breath, you did CPR, you resuscitated it and just gave it for the next generation. I, 
I got to come to a close. I know this isn't like last Sunday night, but this is okay. I'm telling you, unless you allow Manasseh to be born in your spirit, Ephraim, Ephraim, not going to be allowed to come because Manasseh's got to be born first. If you can stand with me tonight, I'll come to a close. Stand with me. There is no hurt like church hurt. There isn't. There isn't. Difficult sometimes to get over. Difficult sometimes to walk through. A blessing in it, you bet your bottom dollar. To get past it, you, you better believe. It amazes me. It's just the way it goes. The sum and the story goes, you know, marriages and everything else. Some of the people you love the most hurt you the worst. And the only reason why that's so is because when you become in the house of God among friends, you don't feel like you should have to have your armor on when you're among friends. There's not a soldier that I know that will go back to the barracks where his fellow soldier is and still leave all of the armor on of protection that he would have when he was out among his enemies because among friends, you should be able to do that. So in doing so, it makes you more vulnerable. And so that when they attack you, you're like, what in the world was that? Because it's something that's unexpected. We need a Manasseh. Listen, some of y'all that's been around here for 20 years, 15 years, you know what? I'm confident of this. If you've been around that long, I've been around too, except for a little six-year sabbatical. That had its own set of things. I guarantee you this, that in that process of time, I've probably come close to either hurting, ridiculing, or saying something bad about everybody in this place. And if I haven't, your turn's coming. Now you can say, well, <laughs> we do need to find a different location. And this guy's our pastor. Well, you know what? We can stand up here and lie or we can just be transparent. There's sometimes I didn't like people's attitudes. There's times that, you know, over the past years, whenever I took this pulpit, even before pastor and preach. I thought that they should have just been a little bit more leaning in with the word. Got a little cross from my spirit. You know what that does then? And the next time I'd have to go to the pulpit wondering, are they or are they not still carry that cross? But the spirit of Manasseh needs to take place. Folks, I'm asking the Lord to do a healing here tonight. I'm asking God to help us with a healing tonight of not recalling past wounds and past hurts. If they're afresh of just the past couple weeks or if they go to two years or 10 years or 15 years ago, I'm asking God to do a sovereign work of healing in this place tonight. Even beyond just the scope, I'm asking God 
today even beyond the scope of just in this house of brothers and sisters in the house literal family members because we have a lot of that here too literal family members in the house of God stuff that I might not even be privy to that because you share the same family then you go to the same church together it just really hyphens something right asking God to do a sovereign work here tonight that somebody would embrace an altar and say God I acknowledge that that has happened but I'm not going to allow that to hold me hostage for what you want to do in my life today what you want to do in the life of this church right now I'm going to choose not to recall that I'm going to push that aside Lord I'm going to let my words Lord of ridicule I'm going to allow my words Lord Jesus of embitterness Lord to fall Lord any grudge that I may be holding in my life and in my spirit toward another I'm going to allow that to fall to my feet today and we're going to go on and we're going to see whatever God has in store. And the favor and the anointing of God is going to bring some things into our life because we chose to forget some things of our past. Would there be anybody that would find a place to prayer here? With Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.